Hey, this is Kaz, and this is Nightmares at Midnight. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Like I said, my name is Kez, and it's just me today, no Violet. We're going to keep it short and here in the beginning, and we'll just talk quick about a few things, housekeeping and what we're watching. This week, tomorrow I have surgery, and then Thursday is Thanksgiving, so hopefully everyone has a good time. My husband is cooking our Thanksgiving meal because I don't think I'm going to be very up to it, so hopefully that'll go well. Then before we know it, we're already into December. A few episodes in December, we will do... Um, Some about elves and Krampus, and I've got requested that one a few times now. So that one will definitely be done. Here in Alaska, it is surprisingly not as much snow as I would have expected us to have already, or as we had last year. We had way more snow than this last year. It's been in the 30s quite a bit for the last few days. So yeah, we'll just jump right into it. We'll start with what I'm watching. This week I've been pretty busy trying to get ready for Thanksgiving and send out Christmas gifts because gifts from here take two to three weeks minimum to get anywhere. Surprisingly, I have been having a few people tell me that things are getting there faster. Apparently the delivery dogs are moving at a quicker pace this year. But as far as what I'm watching, my husband returned home and we watched a few episodes of Yellowstone. Now that he's home, I can watch it. We've been watching The Simpsons. Nothing really holiday-spirited in there at all this this week, but um, I'm a closet Simpsons fan. I used to watch it when I was a kid. It was the one type of show that wasn't uh, really appropriate that my mom would let me watch. Other than that, I really haven't been watching a whole lot, so I just want to take a quick second and let you know of all the places that you can hear us at. You can hear us at our website, which is nightmares at midnight podcast.buzzsprout.com. You can check us out on Instagram at nightmares at midnight podcast. Facebook is nightmares at midnight podcast. You can listen to us on ready for the list Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Index, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and Podcast Addict. That's in addition to our own website. And then if you want to hear a specific legend or myth on the podcast, Please feel free to email us at nightmaresatmidnightpodcast at gmail.com or you can also leave a review there. Let us know how we're doing, the goods, the bads, the uglies, all of that. Please feel free to drop us an email and let us know what you think. Kayla's Kitchen and Closet. Downtown Park Falls is your local one-stop shop. Stop by the kitchen, open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., where they are serving up your favorites for breakfast and lunch, along with their always tasty lattes, frappes, desserts, and much more. The closet is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They have everything you need from lounging at home to attending a special event, including jewelry, shoes, and accessories. Find the perfect outfit a tasty treat, or just the right gift at Kayla's Kitchen and Closet downtown Park Falls or online at kaylaskitchenandcloset.com. Kayla and the crew are always there for you. So we're just going to jump right into this episode. The episode today is about Riverdale Road in Colorado. So on the north side of Denver, in between Brighton and Thornton, 
There's an 11 mile stretch of road. The alluring part of this road is that it's unnaturally dark with the trees so close to the road and all the twists and turns on it. It's been there for years and years. So teenagers would have the draw to want to go explore. Uh, There's a few legends that are on this road. There is the gates of hell, which we'll talk about. There's been sites of demons runs along a Native American burial ground. There's stories of black magic and witchcraft happening on places that are on that road. There's been spotted ghosts of children, women, dogs. Jogger Hill is on this road, which we'll talk about that. So the gates of hell is the main one that I've heard about with this. Well, it was the home of the Walpart Mansion. So David Walpart was born in Ohio. I tried to figure out which year. I've seen different accounts of it was either in the 1860s or 1880s. And he came to Colorado during the gold rush time. He is the one that was credited with building Clayton Street. So he had a lot of money. He got married. He had three children. Unfortunately, two out of the three were deaf and mute. Um, The mansion eventually got turned into a drover's inn for cowboys and a racehorse ranch. Within a 75-year period, eight people owned this mansion. There was a chicken coop on the land that burned down and apparently the legend kind of has twisted and evolved to where this mansion with Walpart in it while he burned it down with his kids inside and apparently there's stories of these chicken coops uh the cults and witchy stuff happening this property is known for witchy stuff and evil stuff happening Apparently, in November of 1975, Wolpart Mansion burned to the ground. Apparently, the man who lived there at the time burned it down. There's mixed stories of who burned it down and when, but apparently there was his wife and kids were inside. Uh, The mansion was two stories, nine bedrooms. All that was left after it burned down was the gates that surrounded the property, hence where it got the name the Gates of Hell. Um, There's been different sightings of a woman in white who is supposedly the wife of whichever gentleman burned it down, and she's been searching for her kids. Apparently, a lot of car accidents are happening on this road because they're trying to avoid hitting things that will jump out in front of their cars. This woman in white has been known to hitchhike, and once she gets in your car, she disappears. I feel like this one is a pretty common legend for multiple places, not just in Colorado. So I did some research to find accounts on this Gates of Hell, and I did find another recording talking about a experience that happened there. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. This person's name is Michael, and he's telling his story of what happened there years ago as when he was a teenager. I'm fairly old now, but when I was a teenager, my friends and I got our kicks by seeking an adventure. I was born and raised in a small cow town in Colorado called Brighton. There wasn't much to do in Brighton back then, so when we started getting our licenses, that meant a chance to explore. One such place that we always wanted to explore was a long, winding road just outside of city limits called Riverdale Road. The allure of Riverdale Road is that it's unnaturally dark at night. The road itself twists and turns around a sea of ominously tall trees, and it's a hotbed of urban legends. Throughout high school, we heard plenty of stories about the woman in the white dress hitchhiking on the side of the road, or red-eyed children appearing out of nowhere, or cults conducting satanic rituals there, and other such nonsense. We also heard about the Gates of Hell. 
That one interested us the most, because the backstory sounded like something that was at least plausible. Apparently a mansion used to stand there, and the owner, for one reason or another, burned the entire thing to the ground in a fit of madness while his family was still inside. Now, they said, all that remained of that piece of land was a set of iron gates leading to nothing more than a lot full of dirt and a burnt tree stump. The legend, of course, was that it led straight to hell. None of us believed that, but it sounded like an eerie place to spend an evening. So one night we all piled inside of my dad's car and headed up there just after dark. We ended up having to get off on a very hilly dirt road and park the car, and sure enough, after a walk, we found some very old-looking gates. We hopped them and found some disheveled chicken coops, and it was obvious that a fire had occurred there once upon a time ago. But that was it. Sure, we gave each other a few jump scares and laughed our heads off. We didn't do much more than creep ourselves out. After about an hour of poking around, we hopped into my dad's car and headed back, satisfied with our night's entertainment. It wasn't until we got to my girlfriend's house and were ready to call it a night that my girlfriend, Kelsey, realized she was missing her necklace. She thought she might have lost it when we were exploring past the gates. Apparently it belonged to her grandmother, and if Kelsey's mother found out Kelsey had lost it, she'd be furious. Kelsey asked me to go back and look for it. Two of our four friends had already gone home, and the stragglers were giving us excuses about curfew. I told Kelsey, okay, let's go. But she said her mom would also kill her if she left the house so late at night. So my job was to head back there alone, hopefully find it, and then bring it back to her house and toss a pebble at her window. While her parents slept, she'd sneak to the back door so I could give her the necklace and her mom would be none the wiser. It didn't help that she gave me puppy dog eyes and swore it was a family heirloom. I accepted, partially because it's hard for me to say no to women and partially because Riverdale Road had been a bust. I mean, what's the worst that could happen, I thought. I'd already seen everything. At least I thought I did. That arrogant, naive decision is something I still deeply regret. I drove back down Riverdale Road after midnight, and this time it seemed, I don't know, different. Maybe it's just because we were talking so much before and looking out for the gates rather than taking in the surroundings, but the road itself seemed darker, more deserted. I know that's ridiculous because people live along that road, and at that moment I felt like there was no one around for miles to help me if I was in danger. And I did feel like I was in danger. This I realized when I looked at the signs posted along the side of the road and discovered that all of them seemed to have something smeared on them. I don't know what it was, but it reflected off of my headlights and gave off the appearance of something being vaguely splattered along the words and numbers long, long ago and having stained it so badly that nothing could ever fully wash it away. I tried not to think about what made those smears. Instead, I traced my way back to the dirt road and parked my dad's car. From the moment I got out, I felt this deep, unsettling weight in my stomach. I heard the grass swishing behind me suddenly, but when I looked behind me and cast my flashlight, I saw nothing but unkempt grass that was way too tall. I was sucking myself out, I told myself. I just needed to get in there, get the necklace, and leave. The walk up to the gates could only be described as uncomfortable. It was as if everything around me was all wrong, out of place in some way, or maybe I was the one who was out of place. I hopped up, pulled myself over the gates, and landed clumsily on the other side. It was as I was grabbing my fallen flashlight and dusting myself off that I felt another wish or movement behind me. I turned and saw nothing but those ominous gates. I told myself it was the wind, even if another part of me was saying that wind didn't move like that. I started scanning the ground in a panic, pacing so quickly and shining my flashlight so erratically that I could hardly absorb what I was looking at. I just wanted to find this necklace as quickly as I possibly could, grab it, and run like hell. But I wasn't seeing anything. The ground was bare earth, and I didn't see the shimmer of jewels anywhere. Now, a thought crossed my mind at that moment. Something deep in my gut told me to just run, to tell Kelsey that I looked all over and didn't find it, that I'd return with her in the morning when it was light out. I should have done that. I shouldn't have kept looking. Because almost immediately after that thought crossed my mind, something caught my flashlight's beam. It wasn't the necklace. It was white and dull. I knelt down to get a closer look. And that was when I realized it was a bone. Now, I've seen animal bones before, and this did not look like an animal bone. It was long and thin, weathered, slightly chipped at one end, 
It looked like a leg bone, or maybe an arm bone. It looked like it belonged to a human. At that, my heart began racing and I bolted back to my feet. My friends and I had explored this entire area only an hour ago, and would have easily spotted a foot-long bone in the dirt. Why this was here now, I didn't know. But it made the whole thing even more unsettling. I heard a wish again, something moving behind me. And once again, I looked behind me and saw nothing but those gates. I should have just run. I should have just bolted straight toward the gates. But I didn't. I turned back around to face the darkness ahead, the vast emptiness, and that's when I heard movement. I shone my flashlight toward the sound, and saw the silhouette of a figure some twenty to thirty feet away. I couldn't make out any of the details, but it was walking right toward me. At that, my only thought was turning around, hopping the gates, and sprinting back to my dad's car, but my legs felt like jello. I willed them to move, but I was frozen in place. I've never felt so paralyzed, never felt so helpless before in my life. Maybe I was imagining it. I pointed the flashlight down, and then back up, and saw nothing. But I still heard the movement. I heard the pace of something approaching me, and I was frozen like a statue. I lowered my flashlight again, and I clenched my fists, and I closed my eyes. This wasn't happening. This was not happening. I prayed to someone, anyone, please stop this hallucination. Please send this thing away. Please just let me get out of here. If that happened, I would never set foot in this wretched place again. And then I opened my eyes, and when I did, I found myself staring directly in the face of a dead woman. The skin on the right side of her face was gray and peeling away from her skull, slumped down over her eye, almost as if it was melting. I only saw her left eye, which was gray and hollow but full of so much hatred. Her hair was white and stringy. Her mouth moved like worms. She said only one word, and it sounded like the guttural kind of moan that someone makes when they get the winds knocked from them. Leave. My legs finally regained sensation, and I turned around without a second thought. I have never run so fast in my life. When I reached the gates, I practically hurtled them. I know I didn't, but it felt like I did, because I was scrambling for my very life. Whatever that woman was, I could still hear her behind me, still feel her behind me, even when I pulled open the door of my dad's car and fell into the seat. I fumbled the keys out of my pocket and cranked the ignition. I couldn't bring myself to look out the window or out the windshield and dare see her face again. I just stared at that ignition and prayed it would start. It was cranking and cranking, which made no sense because my dad's car was only one year old at that point and barely had any miles on it. After what felt like an eternity, the car stumbled to life, and at the exact moment I threw it into drive, I felt something slam against the back window. I didn't look into the rearview mirror to see what it was. I simply planted my foot on the gas and stumbled out of there. And stumble is really the only word for it. My dad's one-year-old car sputtered like it was going to die out at any moment. The gears clunked when they changed. I had wanted nothing more than to do what the dead woman commanded, to leave, and the car was struggling to reach 20 miles per hour. That ride home was the longest of my life, not just because of the dying car, but because I kept seeing the woman's face in my mind. I could see her lifeless skin melting off of her bones. I could see her staring directly into my soul with that single dead eye of hers. I could see her lips moving like worms. I didn't go to Kelsey's. I just went straight home, where I lay awake all night in my bed, staring at the ceiling, thinking of that face. The next day, Kelsey called me and was upset that I never showed. I tried to tell her what happened, tried to tell my friends in coming days. They all thought I was just pulling one over on them, or better yet, just making up an excuse to cover up the fact that I simply went straight home instead of trying to search for the necklace. At a certain point, I just stopped trying to argue. My dad was even more furious. His car was a mess. It still ran like crap, and there were now handprints smeared all over the back window. He didn't believe anything I said either, which I kind of figured would happen, and he just assumed I screwed it up driving down Riverdale Road like a maniac. He took it to his mechanic, and all told, the car's spark plugs were shot, some of the vacuum hoses were severed, and the transmission was toast. I spent two years paying him back for that, and I still have no idea how any of it happened. Kelsey never found her necklace, 
I broke things off with her shortly after that, and I stopped talking to my friends once I realized my experience was one big joke to them. I moved out of state immediately after high school, and I've only been back to visit my family periodically. I refuse to go anywhere near Riverdale Road. And I've gotten better about it in recent years, but some nights I try to sleep and all I can see is that decrepit, peeling face hovering just before me, and I can hear that disgusting, raspy voice telling me to leave. It's been twenty-something years and I can still see it just as clearly as I did that day. It's not something you forget. So I know that most people are listening to this because it's entertaining and it's scary and you, like my teenage self, might get some quick thrills out of it. But I want this to serve as a warning, too. If you go up there, and you really shouldn't, do not go alone. You are not wanted there, and you will see things, and maybe people, so horrifying that it will truly haunt you for the rest of your life. So that was an account by a man named Michael about the Riverdale Road and his experience by the Walpart Mansion and the Gates of Hell. As far as Joggers Hill, the story for that is there's a jogger that was killed in the 80s. He was supposedly out for his nightly run when he was hit and left to die by the motorist. I've read a couple different stories to where he was uh, beheaded in this accident. I've also read stories about the rumors that there are sounds of jogging, feet, and fists banging on cars that travel that road. In some cases, those who were parked at the top of Joggers Hill claim to have seen handprints on the windows. Forever restless and angry at his fate, they say the jogger haunts this back road looking for his killer in every passing car. He especially likes to creep up on people who park at the top of what is now called Joggers Hill. Word is, if you kill your lights and engine, he'll think you're the one who hit him and left him for dead. Folks have reported hearing sounds of quick feet, like I said, angry fists beating the sides of their cars, handprints. It's like the jogger is outside trying to get a look at the killer who is inside. A legend also has it that if he gets to your driver's side window, you will die. Apparently, there's been several accidents, and that's what the legend chalks them up to. I did read some news articles on this. Thornton Police Department spokesperson Matt Barnes said he'd receive media inquiries about Riverdale Road once every few years, normally around Halloween. He said, After speaking with dispatchers, we are aware of the urban legends out there regarding this road and how it might be haunted. However, we have not been able to remember or locate any calls for service worth mentioning that would be in any way related to these urban legends. Barnes said there were 33 property damage and injury accidents on Riverdale Road in 2019 alone. There have also been numerous fatal crashes in recent memory, according to Barnes, who spent 30 years with Thornton Police. Stephanie Smith, one of the co-founders of Denver Ghost Hunters, did an investigation into Riverdale Road. She said she experienced a rare feeling of fear. I found this one spot, and I said, I think there's something here. I don't feel alone. You know what I mean, Smith said. We had a camera crew visiting investigators. We were taking pictures, listening, trying to see if we were catching anything on camera. Quote, I started walking on this one side of the road. I start to feel really nervous. And it looked like out in the distance, I could almost see the shape of a man. I remember these cowboy boots and that they were walking toward me and I really felt freaked out. Smith said some photos showed orbs following her and she said she ran past the group and the camera crew afraid of what she had experienced, which I would be too. 
So I walked to the other side of the street and felt fine, Smith said. Over the years, I've brought different groups to this area, and I don't tell them anything about it. So I have them walk where I walk, and a lot of people, especially women, have this feeling like someone's going to get them. And it's always on the west side of the road. Smith said she can't find any history to explain her experience or what may have happened on this side of the two-lane street. Riverdale Road has a history of alleged hauntings and urban legends from the existence, like I said, of the literal gates of hell to the story of a man who lost his mind and burned his entire mansion down. There is another urban legend that involves a phantom Camaro and the vision of bodies hanging from the trees during the full moon. Apparently, these bodies are said to be witches that were previously hung there for doing witchcraft, of course. And if you stand in the right spot, you experience these moments of dread. Another legend is that there is a young boy who was killed, hit by a car. Now he paces the street restlessly at night, smearing his bloody handprints on every street sign as he walks by them. By morning, the prints are always gone. I had previously mentioned that... Riverdale Road was built alongside of a Native American burial ground. The land that it cuts through is known to be haunted as well, and for hundreds of years there have been stories of Native American shapeshifters roaming the land, so now they appear on the road. They can take different shapes and communicate with people in their own ways, so basically if you plan to visit, be on the lookout for any unusual activity. It could be shapeshifters playing tricks on you. One thing that I do think is pretty cool is that around Halloween time, a group puts on this haunted field that you can go to. It's got pumpkins and after dark it's like a haunted hayride type of deal. They have a trip in the woods that you can go through where zombies are coming after you with chainsaws and stuff. I just think that the location is spooky enough as it is, so if you add on what they're doing, that has to be a pretty awesome Halloween event to go to. As far as books, I did find a few. There's one that you can read on the Kindle called Terrors on Riverdale and Other Colorado Haunts, Riverdale Road Book 1. I could not find any merch, though. Anything that I could find was basically for that haunted field. Other than that, there's not much merch on it. I thought that this would be a quick, fun story for you before Thanksgiving. You can listen to us again on nightmaresatmidnightpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can check us out on Instagram. There is posts, not every day, but every couple days I post on there to remind you about our episodes. On Facebook, there's Nightmares at Midnight Podcast that you can follow. You can listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Index, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and Podcast Addict. If you would like to get your hands on some Nightmares at Midnight merch, just let me know. Send us an email at Nightmares at Midnight Podcast at gmail.com. I know the holidays are coming up and We've got some stickers or shirts here that you can get for your Nightmares at Midnight podcast fan. So we'll talk to you next week. And as always, catch us next time.